Radio Worm goes to O Festival. Reports from Chola and Tissa. Dear listeners of Radio Worm, this is a special broadcast in which we report on the O Festival, which is currently happening in our city of Rotterdam. It started last Friday and we still have a couple of days coming up ahead. So I think uh, the last shows are on on Sunday the 29th. If you haven't managed to catch some of the shows yet, there is still a chance. Um, in a bit, uh, two other people will join us in the studio and this will be Chola, my radio colleague with which we have been visiting quite a few of the shows that the festival has to offer as well as Joost who is the dramaturg of the festival so welcome to keep on listening and uh, now we're gonna play some of the music from the creators of the festival
it is time for a little report on what Tisa and Chola uh, have seen in the past two days at oh, the oh, O oh, Festival. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> wow, I feel so like immersed in, in this kind of performativity and theatralicness and so many meanings and so many like effects. Uh, it's really interesting body. how um, mm. I'm finding that the different venues really, all the different setups are really actually impacting my experience now. I think maybe because we've been going to so many, mm -hmm. we start to really like, I really feel like what I can connect to and what I can't. Yes. And it's very interesting, like I went to one last night in Theater Rotterdam on the big stage in the big hall. And I was I was I was late, and they kind of let me in, but I was up in the balcony on my own at the top, so I was a little bit far away. And I don't know if it could have been that impact as well, but yeah. I was so like, no, like I just felt so distant, <laughs> like I just felt like I wasn't involved, like it was it was too it was too much of a spectacle, but a spectacle at a distance. Uh -huh. You know, like when I saw Chernobyldorf, that was a spectacle, but it was so vibrant and like energetic. And this was like, it's Ginkgo, um, by Nicole Butler, and um, they were like. Oh, the cool thing was there was a woman playing the ther theremin. Yeah, that was really that's the first theremin I've seen at the festival. And that was really mm. cool. So I really like that. But then it was just not much, not enough slash not much going on. And maybe because I was a bit far away, I couldn't engage. And I was just like, oh god, yeah. But it was interesting. <laughs> and then I was like, why is it because it's in this big theatre? Is it because I'm not close enough? Like, is it because I can't feel other bodies and like noise around me? It felt just very vacuumy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do believe that uh, through um, the frequency of how many shows we actually see, we are developing a critical eye in a, a very like condensed way. It's not like we didn't have a critical eye beforehand, but um, I think all the shows kind of relate to each other in a sense that, okay, I've had this experience that I loved, like with the Lenta K show, for example, mm. or the... But that was so unique yeah. also because it was a dancer. It felt very um, in the space and the audience, as we said before, like the audience was opposite each other. So yeah. you had a kind of engagement with one another and the performers. Yes, yes. But uh, I'm just thinking like so many shows that then immediately, like after two minutes, you can already sense if the energy in the space and if the mm. show itself will be something that you will like yes. or not yes. or will you just sit through it and hope for some sort of a um, culmination moment of uh, whatever you're yeah. searching for as an audience member yeah. from a show which for me like uh, if we should speak about our expectations as mm. uh, audience members perhaps a bit well I think I've said this to you before and maybe I'll say it live, live, on, live on air but I find you Tisa a very interesting audience member because you really own being an audience member like you, you come into the room you sit at the front or you sit you're very like you hold yourself very well and also when you perform you really interact with your audience you mm -hmm. kind of have a very interesting dialogue with each position that you're in performer and audience yeah and yeah maybe I can ask you how have you found the way I don't know if you consciously do that it's just something that you is natural to you but do you how do you how have you found that you've felt as an audience member and the different things that you've seen? Okay, okay, cool question, yeah. I guess uh, one thing uh, is really determining my position, which is like, have I eaten before? <laughs> Did I sleep enough? <laughs> Do I have uh, a good level of hydration? Am I in a hurry to catch the other show? I you know? about to say, Do I have a good level of hygiene? <laughs> hydration. <laughs> So all of these like very uh, organic things, I mm. guess, impact me because I know that, uh, all right, for the next um, hour or so, I'm just going to have to 
sit there and indulge in whatever is in front of me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, then I try to sit nicely. Especially, like, these shows that make you sit on the floor, I don't like that. Mm. It's why, like d- why don't you like that? Because I like chairs. Chairs are comfortable. Mm. If I sit on the floor, my legs fall asleep. And then this distracts me from mm. engaging with the work. You know, like, there's all these, like, tiny... Um, kind of uh, disturbances like also like some people cough a lot and it really gets on my nerves but also like as a performer myself when people cough I respond to it you know Mm. Uh, but that's your that's your that's your way and of course some performers you're not supposed to react anything to the audience going on you know it's just one way exchange Exactly. Yeah, I do think that uh, as audience members, we hold a lot of responsibility on how we perceive the show. Mm. So the show is not made in the outside. The show is made in ourselves, in our imagination, in our focus that we can give to the work. And also like the whole world of yourself and your own experiences and Mm. knowledge that you kind of bring in as this very necessary luggage, I think, um, because this is the key of with which you unlock maybe the meaning or the potential or whatever the, the, the thing that you're watching can, can bring you. Have you had an experience during the week or so we've been going where you've, you've come in, maybe your energy was there and it was then lost or changed or maybe you didn't have it and then it came? For sure it always changes with what I see. Mm, what during the performance? Yeah, I think it's like this empathic moment of uh, okay, giving yourself to the piece, no? Mm. So you come whatever you are, like you're not a blank page probably because you've had a day before and you you'll have a day after and <laughs> maybe you've seen two shows already in a day, so these were already like um, some sort of pathways into different emotional states and different like uh, areas of memory or experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a, a good, effective show actually changes your state in a nice way, you know? Mm. Like, maybe maybe it, it can also get sad and deeper. And so maybe it just changes you. Maybe nice doesn't... It just has a, it has a emotive impact. I don't know if that's right. Yeah, yeah. Do you... Um, how would you describe yourself as an audience member? Because I ask that because I think I'm very... I think I'm quite soft and I'm like, I'm very like, um, what's the word? I guess encouraging, like try to be kind of calm and respectful and like really smile and like try to, even if I'm not feeling it, I still try to be a little bit warm as much as I can be. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but do you do the same or you just like, if you, you kind of, I also sometimes do, do just close off and I'm like, I can't, like and it's not all the time mm-hmm. that I can be in that state where I'm in, the, in between where I know I'm not really enjoying it, but I'm trying to. Yeah. Sounds nice that you give yourself a chance to enjoy it, no? That yes. uh, you always look for this moment. Yeah, and I think there are different moments where it's sometimes it's just so natural and you're not even thinking about it. And then you come out, you're like, wow. And other times you really want to more than you do and you really like elements, but it doesn't, all of it for, you, for, for myself in that moment is not quite that or it yes. doesn't quite like come together and like come inside my body and I'm like ah no. <laughs> so yeah I would say that I'm quite uh, investigative in a way so my rational brain would like be working all the time seeing all the elements like oh that's a cool light I will remember this <laughs> setting you know <laughs> or like I'm watching the audience members how they respond because I'm actually 
interested in like the experience that humans in the room have you know yeah. the ones that are not performing but they are present in the situation as well they make the situation possible we do as audience members and um um i am a yeah, very rational kind of uh, studying the whole situation like oh this vocal technique and mm. you know the movements on stage and maybe the props or the costumes and like all of these elements uh, and details my um, eye notices and this will keep on going until they grab my attention fully which means mm. that i manage to immerse myself to emerge as you know the the sponge of uh, whatever they're trying to say but uh, it's not that easy to produce that i guess uh, there is like a moment of relaxation that sometimes permits me then i almost fall asleep but i know that this is a good sign because mm -hmm. it means that what's happening out there made me like physically relaxed and at that moment i can receive whatever they're uh, giving me you know wow that's <laughs> nice yeah, yeah. That's very different to me. I don't ever fall asleep, but I really like that that's the state you go to when you're really enjoying it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Or it can be also like a complete excitement, yeah. you know, and uh, awakeness. But like, uh, depends on, on the nature of the piece, mm. on what the piece wants to give to you. Gift to you. Yeah, and I think that kind of goes back to what I was saying about the exchange between the performer and the audience, and you were saying that it was in my head but the train of thought's gone but like mm -hmm. the intention of the performance and the performers with the audience and I think more and more I I like the ones where they talk to the audience or you are in it and somehow they're very they take care of you not care I don't know like they, they take note of you or aware of you and where they put you they thought about yeah. where you are and what mm. you mean in their context of their performance beforehand mm -hmm. and that it's not just one way and I know for me that immediately it makes it different. Absolutely, because you are a part of it. You're not like the voyeur of a situation. Yeah, but then sometimes they want you to be a voyeur. So then it's also sure. it's intention. But then it's yes. then how do you make me a voyeur? Uh -huh. I don't know. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I so uh, uh, with this we can come to the sun and sea piece mm. that we've both seen. For me, it was quite a beautiful experience, but it was uh, in its essence a voyeuristic one, right? Oh yeah. So basically, imagine, uh, l let us describe it a bit. So there's like this circular building. I have no idea what it's doing there uh, somewhere uh, around Marconi Plain. And uh, within this building, they have built a structure, a circular structure as well. Uh, you climb up uh, some metal stairs. Uh -huh, Just playing it, it now in the background. Mm -hmm. And then you have a balcony mm -hmm. in a circle and uh, people are looking down from all around uh, there is a pile of sand and people chilling there as if they were on a beach mm -hmm. on a sunny day there's a really big light source in the middle of the space as well and uh, yeah children are playing uh, badminton um, snacking there's a dog like, there's, there's a dog, dog yeah. yeah i had a nice dog when i was there there's a baby there's a bike Yeah, just like some shells and some sand castles and yeah whatever you do on a beach that's what people were doing except bathing right yeah well then they went off stage and then they came back wet <laughs> 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 so 
so they went out to the sea. Yes. But um, yeah, and so kind of the performers are all lounging about on the beach, and then there are extras, and then intermittently, as you can hear now, it's the chorus. But then after the chorus bits where everyone's singing together, there'll be a solo by a different person. And it's quite fun, you know, when you start to hear a solo voice, you kind of have to start looking around the set to like be like, who's, who's talking, who's, who's singing? Yeah, I was, I was speaking also with some audience, uh, fellow audience members after this piece. And they were also mentioning this aspect of really like trying to see where the source of the mm. sound is. Because it's not obvious. Huh? No, it's not obvious at mm-hmm. all. And it could take you a while. Yeah. Um, did you do that? I did that all the time, yeah. And yeah. did you follow? Because also when you walk in, we got like a booklet, a leaflet with all the words in. Did you use the words? No, no me neither. No. I think uh, it was quite understandable, actually. I actually thought, I've seen it in Venice, Biennale, and the sound was better in Venice than here. <laughs> I found actually the acoustic a little bit hard to grasp, but kind of, as you can even hear from the recording, it was like too much space around it that it just dissipated a little bit. Yeah, yeah. For, for my ears, anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um... Some people said, uh, I made little interviews, I will not uh, play them now, just because I didn't ask them, actually, mm. if I can record them. I just spoke to them holding my phone, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so people were mentioning that, I, I asked them what their experience of the piece was, what did the piece give them? Mm. And uh, someone said, oh, I was so sleepy, you know? Mm. Uh, the others were saying about something about relaxation, just like really being in this moment uh, imagining themselves on a beach even but i think like this piece is just beautiful it's very beautiful yes. and very calming yes i i say that like the whole hour that my ticket was and then we were shimmied out and i was really annoyed i was yeah. like i don't feel like i've seen the whole 60 minutes yet like oh, i kept on like yeah. they were like push me on the night stop and then like everyone else would go past and they'd be like you need to leave and i was like okay and then i'd like go on and then i'd wait a little bit <laughs> <laughs> i was that like, really annoying audience member i was like come on like it's not full like just let us stay yeah so the thing is that the piece is just going on and on and on and on just the audience changes which, yeah. wow, I can't imagine how it is for the performers to be there for, what, five, six hours per day? Yeah, I think like it's two it. till six every day, yeah, so four yeah, hours, yeah. and they're doing it five days in a row. Wow. Yeah. And you can also apply uh, to be an extra on this beach. Yeah, so it's going to um, London actually next, um, and uh, you could there's like a website where if you wanted to volunteer you could sign up and some friends wanted to do it but I think they missed the um, deadline okay because I think one of the re- I think it's like four rehearsals to uh-huh. be in the chorus yeah wow. so it's not that long yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's quite cool beautiful but also it makes sense if it's a touring opera like you can't maybe you can't transport there's no need to transport like that extra I don't know what, 15 maybe 10 15 wow. people for the chorus mm-hmm. I don't know how many there were but that's that that was a random estimate so is the piece really about climate change that's what some people said. I didn't read the text. Yeah, if you read the text, yes. Okay. Um, but I didn't. I, I think when I was in Venice and Israel, I did read the text more. This time I just absorbed and just watched and was a real voyeur. Mm. But going back to voyeurism in it, how did you feel as a voyeur looking onto that scene? Chill. Mm. Nothing special. I mean, it's just like bodies... Hanging out, <laughs> it's fine. You know, you know. I don't have problems with bodies. <laughs> Maybe for some people it would be more like, whoa. Because uh, I studied painting, we drew mm. uh, nudes all the time. So, yeah, a body is just. Um, 
like a tree, you know. I found it interesting how that was entertaining enough, even though not much was happening. Yeah. Like there was enough people, enough interactions going on that you your eyes were always moving or could stay fixed on a person and their character and what they were doing and then move on very like smoothly and seamlessly. And yes. you're kind of just wrapped up in this eternal loop of time. Like I didn't even notice the hour had gone, you know? Mm-hmm. It was very... Yeah, you're kind of sucked into this world, which is really nice. Yes. Even though you were apart from it, but you were part of it. Uh-huh. And they all looked so natural. Oh yeah, and yeah, uh-huh. they never looked up, which I thought was really good. Yes. Um, and I really enjoyed them going out to like go swimming. Like this one guy <laughs> went surfing. <laughs> he like went out with his board and came back wet. And I just like, I just like, oh, like that length of what you've gone to to like do that bit of the night. Like you could have just gone like boogie boarding, but no, I had like a full on long surfboard. <laughs> It was really nice. great. Yeah. Let's listen a bit to this recording without yeah. us chatting over okay. it. Mm, it's not such good quality. I don't know if you've got a better one. No. Okay. Here you go. Bye. 
quite calming, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I was wondering why they never make this show on an actual beach. Yeah, they have to import a lot of sand or get it locally delivered or something. Yeah. I mean, maybe they have done it on a beach. Perhaps. Do you know? No. But the sound would be awful. Well, you could have microphones as you do. You could actually like, set up like a kind of tent on the beach. Yeah. Jola, think outside the bar. <laughs> <laughs> you can get electricity to the sea. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm gonna just down that, and then I was playing actually something earlier that we when we were talking. But this was a show I saw yesterday, which I really want to tell you about. Um, and it's it was called Glossalia. Mm-hmm. Here it is coming in. Um, and it was in Hacker Building, which is this amazing old industrial building. It was to do with trading in the port. On um, down from Marconi Plain in Kalevag. Amazing building. It was upstairs in kind of a big open space with like beautiful windows and pillars in it. And um, it was a there were like three musicians and then a group of voices. And there was a guy who'd made like a makeshift guitar. So it had the fret of the guitar attached to pieces of wood and then a piece of kind of copper in the underneath the wires of the guitar and he was dragging it on the floor. Mm. And then that was being sent to two speakers which were hanging from the ceiling and then were being like pushed so they were like rotating around. Really interesting kind of scratchy sounds. And then there was a guy on the keys and he was singing sometimes and a guy on the sax and then suddenly this like these voices emerged from nowhere and like just kind of audience members suddenly became these voices and then wow. they were walking around and it was so nice because we as an audience were told to walk around they were like you know the sound changes where you are the speaker's moving be careful but like you can position yourself at that like please keep on moving and make your own experience um and it was really nice i felt really free and really like maybe this goes back to like maybe that's why I, also the next one that i went to was the one in the theater and it was such a contrast mm. suddenly being so free and being able to walk around and be next to the performers and suddenly being like at the back of this massive theater hall on your own in the dark and being <laughs> like you're like 200 meters away no 100 meters no i don't know 50 meters whatever um but it was really mm. nice that you can hear now the voices were really, really beautiful, and it changed in tone. Like this is quite a melancholic one, melancholic one, but they ended like with a more um, upbeat and rhythmic one. And it also made me think there hasn't been that many vocal pieces at the festival that have been really crunchy in harmony and tonality. Mm-hmm. Like this was the most choral thing I've seen. I think. All right. Yeah. Yes. Have you seen anything? No. Hmm. Not really. Was yeah. I was like, oh. Missed a trick there, right? Eh? <laughs> um, Keeping it simple, also. Yeah, because in there was a choir in the one in the theatre in Ginkgo, but you you couldn't really hear them; mm-hmm. they weren't amplified, so that was kind of missed. Um, but I mean, it was only part of the show as well. It wasn't the whole show. It was really these voices were part of it. Like sometimes they weren't singing, but yeah, it was. Is what I think it's one of my faves, Tisa. Actually, nice. So I don't know if it's on again. Glossalia. Mm-hmm. You don't know if it's on again? Wait, let me see. Yeah. Um, but also, it was, done, it was last year, I think it was in OLAB. So it's a collaboration between Worm and O Festival. So also, it's nice that like last year it was started and developed. Oh, wait, you worked with him, Thomas Xavier. Yeah, I've, I've that you were met asked him. to do, yeah, the, or like yeah. try and help find the right voices or something. I've met him briefly, indeed. Um, but that's also nice that like the as kind of we what I'm learning about O is that 
is a space for things to be tried and then tested again. Yes. So this was developed first time last year and then it's coming back again and they've redone it and developed it and found new elements to it. What's really exciting is that some snippets, some starters of the shows that we've seen this year will evolve mm. onto something bigger next year. Yeah. So I think, wow, to, to see this uh, growth is cool as an audience member also, no? Very cool. Give it a second uh, chance, a second try, like yeah. observe what has happened, right? Um, it's actually, it was only on yesterday. Oh, to bet. So All right. maybe we can just li listen a little bit.
learn anything about the voice this week. I don't know if I learned anything, but it, I um, want to start having singing lessons again. Super. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yes. That I, I texted um, a friend who lives in Rotterdam, has been here for a while, and so and he like, has worked in kind of theatre and voice and stuff. So I was like, do you know anybody? Um, yes, me. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, did, he doesn't teach. Yeah. But um, I wanted because I learnt sing. I'd had singing lessons. When I was younger, but it was very classical and like mm-hmm. doing like exams and like doing like theatre shows, like songs, like from musicals and stuff. But I want to do something which is more someone who works with the voice in a more experimental and contemporary way. So Super. if I've anything, it's learned that it's inspired me to rethink how I'm using my voice or ways that I can use it. Um, and yeah, you? Excellent. Um, yeah, I do. I, I love I love to really observe the singer singing no? because there is uh, something very personal about it uh, like beyond technique even so for me it was like this whole experience of all the shows was kind of remembering that yes the voice is a tool and um, and there are many techniques and ways to use it and so on but in the end it is what the person that is singing brings to the situation and this is the essence of the voice as i understand it so it was just beautiful to kind of see humans in front uh, using this tool that they have and uh, telling a story through it yeah now uh, we say hello to Joost, uh, our guest for today <laughs> hello hello <laughs> Easy. Welcome to the studio. Thank you very much. <laughs> we've been discussing a bit uh, about the shows that we've seen in the past two days and uh, just like generally. Last, uh, last uh, moment, uh, last question that uh, we posed to each other was did we learn anything about the voice? in this last couple of days. Could you respond to this question? <laughs> Before well? you even introduce yourself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Go straight in. Uh, this um, is how I always do my <laughs> interviews. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's funny that you're asking it because uh, I'm immediately asking the question back, what did you learn from the voice? We already answered the question. Okay. So, yeah, uh, yeah. so I give, maybe I give an, uh, another answer and quickly introduce myself. I'm Joost Heidhuizen Festival Dormitog at O. And the word O O O O already says it that um, it seems to it used to stand for opera, uh, but now um, we saw that opera doesn't uh, have everything in it, which what we want to do, and especially what our artists want to do. So we changed it a bit to O because it's more open, and more uh, especially that. Uh, we are a festival of uh, vocal traditions and uh, we're also vocal techniques and strategies with voice are being used to create things where with yeah, music theater mm-hmm. so mostly it's also voice combined with visuals and other cool stuff because that's a great way of storytelling and from actually going to shows and the festival, have you learned anything or experienced anything new with the voice? Um, 
after two years of lockdown, the most striking thing for me was that the voice can really hit you. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, what we seek for, no? <laughs> As audience members, perhaps like this sensation. Yeah, but th- I've heard so many voices, which goes from a young guy from 13 years old in the Dutch chamber choir, um, who's singing a piece about a transition process of um, uh, um, the main author going from um, male to female. And I thought, whoa, he's from the Dutch National Youth Choir. And but if you could uh, would go the day after it to school mm-hmm. and you would tell the kids like at the, uh, at the school square, what did you do? Then they would he would say, oh, yeah, I sang at the Doele <laughs> with the Dutch chamber choir. And yeah, it was a piece about the transition process. That's so cool. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I was at that show too. It was uncut uh-huh. in Dula. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we spoke about it on the last show, and I actually played the beginning of it with the boy's voice because it was so beautiful. I really loved that part of the show. Mm. And those voices, but also at Warm yet Dead Girl, f- um, uh, which has influences from black metal and grunting, combined with an operatic voice by Stephanie Janssen, and there's also a combination that touched me in so many different ways. Mm. And sing with touching, yeah, that's the main thing. Mm-hmm. Were you always interested in the voice, or how did you develop this fascination? Um, I sang in a youth choir. F- I think it was from church, and I hated it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, my uh, father sang in a choir. My grandfather was sixty years in a choir his whole life mm. but um, I more liked all cutting edge music there was and there was not there were not that many call e- elements or singing elements in grunge or in techno or whatever and uh, but besides that I also listened to Bach and uh, Schubert and the but the great thing I think that interests me is always in all the voices that you can have. I'm not having a classical background, uh, but to yeah bring absolute feelings, mm-hmm. a- feelings of absolute beauty, absolute hate, absolute joy, and a voice is such a beautiful medium for that. Mm. That makes me think of um, Het Zeus Complex, which we were both at, which was a really amazing kind of show about the story of Zeus but with four performers and the way that it was like kind of poppy but then so well executed and like that outfits and the lights and it was they use their voice I don't know if, do you know if they're classically trained or uh, they, they are uh, uh, trained at the uh, uh, Theater Academy Maastricht where you learn singing okay. and I don't know if they are classically trained in the sense of uh, going to a conservatoire Okay. Must check that. Yeah, but yeah, they were. Th- I really liked the way they sang. It was kind of not pop, but then it was a little bit pop, and I don't know. It had a very nice um, angle on it for me. For my yeah, own. the voice was even compared to Adele. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice. You're a dramaturg. Mm. Yes. 
What is dramaturgy? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, dramaturgs, uh, back in the days, were people that looked into texts and into pieces uh, to check what the real meaning of it was. But uh, because we are a festival on contemporary arts, I, uh, we don't have to think about what uh, the audio, what the author m might have meant, because we can just phone them and ask it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think the old way of looking to dramaturgy was yeah, looking into the text and looking into the art. And uh, I think a new approach uh, is uh, looking from inside uh, contemporary art to society. And now you can make meaningful connections with that and from that. And uh, examples are uh, a lot. Like we have a series of first dates where we connect voices every day. Uh, voices from different traditions, styles that didn't know each other. We say, oh, it might work with you. And often that works. Also with giving uh, young artists the chances to do their first performances and helping with that. So it's more making connections with the real world and mixing scenes. Yesterday night we had uh, Araya Lester doing a wonderful performance at Warm. And he won Love songs from a shooting star. Uh, buy tickets now. <laughs> yeah, it happens today and tomorrow at 10 p.m. <laughs> and um, he's coming from the field of dance and theater, but he wanted to switch to um, a more poppy, clubby feeling. Mm -hmm. So we've helped him with finding the right people around him and transforming that. And I think that's that's the thing that dramaturgy um, is today. That, um, of course, you still need it as a profession to look inside of a Shakespeare text and si uh, find out what he really meant. But mm -hmm. it's cooler to have new works being created also. Yeah, kind of sounds like a curator and like a collaborator headhunter. <laughs> if, I, if I use different words from different fields, but it kind of, yeah, you're kind of, yeah, mixing, blending. It's something like you should really meet. Yeah. And not forcing people to meet, mm -hmm. but suggesting. Yeah. We, um, uh, especially in the arts field, there are a lot of. Uh, collaborations that are being on uh, being made in a very superficial way and if you would uh, be, uh, look, look back look back at opera traditions there especially there's one director and then uh, all different people uh, where uh, for example singers don't have a real voice they can only sing but they are not uh, involved in the process and we think it's much healthier to open up to these forms and to suggest things and to create a creative environment uh, for wonderful creative people mm. to explore boundaries in a positive way. This makes me think of the piece from Mary Beth Diggs, Laura Loretta. I think that's Solo Soletta. Sola Soletta. Yeah. Wow, there's so many names of pieces. Yeah. I really love that one. Mm. Uh, in a humorous way, they told what you just said. 
in a show. Yeah. Why did you <laughs> love it? Because uh, it was so joyful. And it spoke about real things and about heavy things as well. But they made it switch the strategy. It is not a critical theory text. It is not boring, you know, to hear about all the harsh experiences of working in this very hierarchized environment of the more, yeah, old school institutional way of working and also so much abuse there. So Mm. kind of taking the power to expand the space for yourself as a singer as well, to become a maker, to find your own voice, to... Uh, I mean, find your own voice in a creative sense, so to find your creative expression and also then to lead the crew of other singers into something that is a critique of the whole uh, situation, but uh, it doesn't stay there. It's also a proposition. And she's doing it from within uh, that position. So that's also much more important that people are asking uh, and questioning uh, institutions from within instead of that they are doing it from outside because it's also a very fragile position that they are taking mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you do it that it's easier to say fuck you instead of well let's try to make it more lovely yeah I wanted to ask you about the first first dates program of the festival so I went to my first one today and just my experience was it was with a hip-hop artist, Kay Slice, yeah. and a baritone... Antonio uh, Fagioli. Fagioli. Um, and then two other musicians who were amazing on the double bass and the accordion. Um, and I was imagining it from what I read that they would be more... the collaboration or the creation would be more intertwined. But actually it was kind of like each Kay and then Antonio kind of yeah. sang a song each and then the other could or could not interact or introduce with that. It quite found interesting. I was... So for you, what then is uh, of them meeting and exchanging? What do you? S- how do you see that if they have created something, a song together, or have they had? Have I kind of misinterpreted um, that? No, it's really a first date, which is the most difficult thing to do. Uh, Antonio flew in from Barcelona yesterday night. Oh, okay. oh right! I thought they'd been working together for like a, w- a while. No, and um, he's playing at uh, Madura Gals uh, tomorrow of singing there and we just we just want to connect great local artists like Kay Slice with uh, other festival artists okay okay that makes sense so I, mi- I misunderstood mm. yeah and it's uh, first date is really about the joy of singing together mm-hmm. and uh, listening together to each other's songs and making something from it. It would be t- too high standards, some reach that standards, to ask if everything can be double voiced. Mm. And it's just great to already hear uh, a hip hop singer and, uh, and um, an uh, opera baritone mm-hmm. and just trying to find out where the connections are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that 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 feels that feels really interesting. Now that literally they were just performing together for the first time and meeting each other at the same time. Because then there were moments when Antonio was kind of they were in a boxing ring in this amazing venue in Skidam called Lupunt. Lupout. Lupout. Um, and it was in like a old-fashioned boxing ring, but then also in a gin <coughs> distillery. 
Wow. It was amazing. <laughs> like I was just like, what is this okay. incredible world? And then Excellent. they were like in the boxing ring performing and sometimes Antonio was like playing around while he was singing his beautiful operatic Italian <laughs> arias and then kind of going up to Kay and Kay was like ducking away and like going to the back and it was kind of like they were improvising their interaction with each other live, Aww. which was very funny. Yeah, and yeah. both traditions, hip hop and opera come from improvising. Mm. And uh, when I first uh, asked both of them, would you like to do it? They were quite surprised mm. uh, because those worlds don't meet. Uh, and Antonio, he was a hip hop head before he became a Mozart head. <laughs> and uh, Antonio also is much more than uh, uh, a hip hop artist, he is uh, a great voice, mm. and um, combining those voices and giving trust to each other of finding common things is beautiful. Yes, I want to ask you uh, to jump back a bit. Uh, you said that the role of the dramaturg used to be to find the real meaning of the work, so I'm wondering who you are as an audience member in the situations of this festival. So do you still try to find the real meaning in the shows that you see, in a sense, and interpret them in your own way, like with using your brain and cerebrally also? Or do you know all the shows, like from their descriptions already before you go into the space or you've seen the shows before and you see them again. So I'm wondering about this kind of a dynamic of how you watch at shows. Um, um, it's a question with a lot of sub-questions you're yeah. asking. <laughs> and I think the, the first thing which is wonderful uh, about O is that the festival is about giving and taking. It's about giving trust and taking risk. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of performances haven't, I haven't seen them because they are premieres. So, um, and the, uh, but the role sometimes is, uh, for example, we had an um, opening performance, um, The World's Wife. And I was lucky enough to be the first outside visitor. And I saw that wonderful piece, but without the lightning, but with the singing and the playing. And I thought, wow, this is really wonderful. And that gives a lot of trust to the artist, like, okay, th this might be something. That's one wall. Then a second wall is, I think, also to have a balance in the festival. Uh, that um, it goes from everything to everything and shows developments um, and yeah that the thing uh, that the programs are connected so yesterday we had Lucky Fonts who is a uh, Dutch uh, singer-songwriter uh, but he's not known as a Gabba freak and he knows he's a Gabba professor so we asked him like okay can you do an introduction for Gabba for Life and uh, like having those connections with other projects and i think the last thing is just also listening what people how they experience uh, performances um, uh, and which further role the festival should take because we try to follow 
uh, artistic development and we are not there only for our personal tastes and luckily we got personal tastes which ends with an S because it's quite broad are quite broad Mm-hmm. This maybe leads nicely into Auntie Sue and I were talking in the show on Wednesday about um, maybe curatorial or themes of the festival. And maybe Tisa was saying you feel like there's a quite an apocalyptic theme going on of kind of end of life, end of humanity, end of earth, but then also quite a presence of queer mm-hmm. productions. And we're wondering, like, yeah, if you could tell us a little bit more about the behind the scenes um, curation of choosing the works. Yeah, mm, I think that post apocalyptic theme. Um, has been something that's been going on in the arts for some time. And when I just was walking here, uh, I just had a laugh with uh, Guy Colin, our uh, artistic director. And we said, oh, next year we're going to do only joyful works. <laughs> um, no, but it's... Tisa will be happy about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm up for joy. Uh, the, but the thing is, uh, Mark Fisher, cultural critic, once said that it's easier to uh, uh, imagine the end of the world than, it's to, uh, to, uh, than to imagine the end of capitalism. And the dystopian idea has been something that artists have been working on for a long time, the last five years. But I hope that um, the new times were uh, that and having COVID for two years and isolation for two years and end of the world for two years and a war outside, that it leads to more um, to other approaches to life and which an artist can have instead of um, that. I think the darkness. Uh, you see a lot of works at, oh, for example, Chernobyldorf, that have been created a couple of years ago, of, uh, um, th- where the idea happened, and then you have a long process of uh, producing it and co-producing it. So, um, and they reflected on times, but I'm, uh, it's something we're searching on, how artists are. Uh, coming up with that and I was wondering do you see new developments or do you feel the way also that it's changing in the program you mean or in general in in arts I don't know (laughs) no I feel I don't I don't know if I have a eye on that Mm. I think I do have a take on that, yeah. It's, uh, I, I think it used to be utopia, like a, as a promise of a future after the collapse of what we currently know as a possibility, right? Like utopias are not supposed to come true also. They're just like sort of a givers of hope um, for the current time of suffering, a very Christian moment, maybe, as well. Uh, But uh, I I do think that um, not only in arts, but in society, people are targeting towards actual solutions, towards creating something that could be the the next future. Yeah, I think one of those works is uh, Madhivakals by um, uh, it's this Saturday 
at uh, Theater Rotterdam, mm-hmm. which is a combination of uh, uh, Belgian uh, director and Doom Kanda, who produced some work for Aka and Björk. And they created a beautiful new version of Madewa Girls by Monteverdi. By um, normally, uh, uh, that music sounds like uh, far commercial, very clean, very. Uh, but they made a human approach to it, which uh, with also untrained singers. Um, there's a lot of nudity in it, but it's not nu- nudity in the sense of shocking. But it's also about absolute beauty. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important work also to be shown in at the festival because it's a young maker that's really making a scene. Uh, it's being invited to a lot of international festivals now uh, because the world needs that kind of authentic new voices about real worlds. Mm-hmm. So you think that uh, he kind of manages in his work to create a concrete proposition on how the future could go, not only the remark on how post-apocalyptic yeah. everything is. <laughs> Super. Mm. Alright. Um, before we end, I also wanted to ask about the team of O um, and kind of I've we've met yourself and Geet, who I think is the artistic director. Yeah. But um, you know, what are the who are the other programmers or how you how many of you there creating this wonderful festival? Um the team is very small. The artistic team is me and Guy. And uh, Guy is also running Theatre Trans- Transparent in Antwerp, which is a beautiful, uh, important yeah, production house for music theatre with a lot of great makers. And we know that we can't um, have to uh, be top of mind of everything with a small team. So we really see the program more as a communal approach. Uh, We also ask a lot of partners, what would you do? And what would uh, your proposition be in this field? And uh, the OLAP that we are having at WARM is a good example that um, Charlene gets a lot of programs. Uh, We also, and we just check like, okay, what will we do, what will we do? Uh, what will we not do and by combining forces also with Theatre Rotterdam and other we can create this festival because uh, we don't like that old school idea that it's just two white men uh, programming something uh, that um, that's can be so diverse mm-hmm. Maybe this brings us back to the question of queerness as a line in the program. Uh, Is this something that you consciously thought of? That so many of the works kind of touch this area? I think in um, music theatre it's always been uh, one of the topics. Yes. And um, what we try to do, um, because we uh, are a festival on contemporary uh, culture, and it's something that's happening in contemporary culture. Uh, because we had a very um, urgent opening performance, um, which was based on uh, the world's wife by Caroline Duffy, we were even more aware uh, of um, um, of of queerness, of awareness, how important that is, 
and we thought uh, I think last years we did some uh, something like five or ten uh, it's difficult always to tell if a performance is queer or mm -hmm. about queerness I think also because there are so many positions that you can take as a maker um, and so it's more something that's happening in the arts and happening in society which we of course bring in a program um, then that it's something that we choose to put on a gay hat this year and then next year it's off and it will keep on happening because it's something that's uh, close to the hearts of a lot of people nice thank you I think we're gonna have to wrap up but um, maybe we can just end by things we're gonna go see in the upcoming days so tonight I'm going to miss oh god I've forgotten the name uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had oh yeah Missa Mata Sola I think I got confused because you had Sola Salata earlier yeah but yeah Missa Mata Sola which is by Timo Tambusa yeah um, and that's it yeah uh, uh, Brutus venue, which is where we saw Hetzu's complex, a really cool. You maybe know it, but I've never been there before. Yeah, I've been there yesterday for the uh, trilogy of ah. Scorching Earth video, Polar Bear TikTok opera. Many yeah. things in that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Plus silent disco. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, Yost, what are you going to go to today? Um, I'm starting at five at uh, uh, Ubik with a young Dutch maker, uh, Zora. She's doing a beautiful piece about melancholy um, and a co contemporary work. I'm very curious about that. Then um, uh, there's... Uh, I j I'm just wondering because after eight days of festival, you're just... Yeah. Uh, losing a bit of uh, team. Uh, Total Destruction by Naomi Vesserali is uh, from, I think, 7.30. Mm. At the, uh, and I'm going to go that way for sure. And I'm sure know that I'm ending and everyone should come at Theatre Rotterdam. Uh, there's a late night lullaby. And it's being sung by Island Setzer, who is one of the great opera voice from the Netherlands. But uh, she's f uh, from Turkish origins. And uh, she's singing t her most beloved Turkish songs. Wow, wow. amazing. Yeah. And Tisa? Um, I don't know yet. <laughs> There's too many. I can't decide. Have, haven't made your decision yet. I will see in the moment. You yes, know. perfect. Yeah. I have another radio show oh, yeah, at true. 4 p.m. So I'll see after that. See you okay. yeah. cool. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much for making time to come join oh, thanks us. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. Really incredible. Yeah, well, Pleasure. Thank you for having us at O-Festival. It's been great. Yeah, it's been super exciting. And just for those who have been listening in the background, this is um, The Garden by Clary McFadden and... Angelis, oh god, you're gonna know the names better than me, maybe. <laughs> Sorry, I have to look it up. Cla Clara McFadden, Emanuele Wilch, and Luigi De Angelis. Goodbye. Radio Worm goes to O Festival. Reports from Chola and Tisa. <laughs>